number 110 with with adam barker uh we've obviously had adam on before and um since then he and i have been uh in contact a bunch so i've really grown to like this guy even more um so it'll be fun talking to him uh we are brought to you as always by boyson engineering boyson.com get yourself some sick uh, side covers for your bike or performance enhancing rad valves the good stuff especially for your two-stroke or old carbureted four-stroke also go to canvasmx.com and you can design your gear whatever you want bro uh oh i hear somebody popping beers over there you can just be alive. <laughs> you can pop. You can put whatever you want on your jerseys. Um, I guess within legality, if they're allowed to print it. I guess that's how that works. But go to canvasmx.com, and also, last but not least, Stroker Industries. You can get yourself the trigger, so that way you stop spilling on your graphics. I'm going to introduce to you now my co-host Nick Gore. You just happen to be up on the screen. So you're Did you have me shut down or what? You're the guy. No, no, I hadn't done any of that. I'm just gonna put it on um speaker or a gallery view. So we got Nick Gore here and Adam Barker. What's up, guys? Hello. Hello. Cheers. Cheers, mates. Uh you're in sunny California, Adam. How hot is it? Would you say 96? It's not too hot? I said like 80. Oh. And no humidity, Nick. It's probably perfect. Yeah. It's roasting here, dude. It's 90 plus. What happened? I'm going to Arizona on Monday. And I think it's like 110 there. Oh. Doug Parson said. Yeah, it's starting to get hotter. Like, we hit 110. I'm like, what do you mean? Where does it peak? I guess it gets up to, like, 120 in Phoenix. Get that. <laughs> it's a dry heat, though, right? So it doesn't matter. The old dry heat. So dry crack. At that, it doesn't matter. At that point, you're in a sauna. Yeah. Like a low-level sauna most of the day. Um. So, uh, you and I have been back and forth recently working on a project called Baco. And, uh, that is correct. and I'm super excited about it. We've been having a good time making up stuff. Yeah. Um, we had like the, the short history of it is the idea came up a few years back. And there was a first draft of it, and it was a little, really like a Fresno 2, and it just wasn't really right. Uh, it took a whole nother draft at it, and it just it still wasn't the right plot. And so this third time around, and, you know, thanks to the lock-in, because I do have a full-time job that I'm totally happy with, whatever, 40 hours a week, plus I got two kids. So it's like it's hard to get the non-divided time the second round it's like going to the gym or something like uh like i go to the gym but 
this. Um, like you get into a rhythm, and that rhythm, once you break it and you miss four days, it's like it's like almost like starting over. And that's the way I explain writing. So when it's going good, you're on a flow, and when you hit a couple of like blocks and it's not your real job, it's so easy just to let it go to the wayside and to blink. Oh man, I got to go back in and figure that out. So when you finally get, so that's what had happened, and so it's been kind of in the back of my mind for a few years. But a couple of months ago, two things happened that like just said the time is now. And the main one was the lockdown. Like finally, there's no commute. Like I'm just kicking ass at my normal job all remotely, and so there was a little bit more free time. And that's kind of when you know. We, we hooked up um, as far as like it's good to have somebody to throw ideas around with. And you start to do comedy, and we're just always sort of distant communication every now and then to see what's up. I don't know, it just sort of, it just sort of works as far as like having somebody to, at the very least, just kind of throw ideas out and pass them out. And the funny thing is, the time difference is so much. Like, I get up before my normal job, so I'm like at 5 a.m. It's still dark out. I don't know what time it is for you. I'm, I'm like, like the text up is on the side of the screen, so it works well. I'm like, hey, I got this idea. We can have, you know, Rob Jeremy this or whatever. That's how I do it, too. As soon as I get up, and normally I'll get up uh, between 6 and 8 o'clock, especially if I'm going to write. Uh, so I'll get up that early and just start writing before anybody's up really get a cup of coffee and then just sit down before I've thought about anything else and then just start reading and then going through and try to like come up with funny stuff. So, um, I'm actually trying to hold off, not texting you super early in the morning. Cause it would be like three o'clock your time. Oh yeah. And I'm sitting here all. <laughs> <laughs> I usually, I usually so, yeah. To me, it's like. There's a beauty to that, like, while it's still dark out. Like, your your brain can be a lot more free when the first text from work or the first got to commute this kid there or the first, I guess the dog has to be fed eventually, like, seeps in. It, like, suddenly, it's hard to get back there. So that little window in the morning, I think it's just the best time to just knock it out. And so... This has been, it's been, I would say, maybe a month and a half or two months of just pounding on this script. And it is, if I do say so, it's finally the right plot. Or, you know, it's, it's the best, it's the best route that's gone down. And there's been blocks of days in a row to finally, you know, have a couple hours a day and just write it. And it, it intertwines and I don't know. I know personally, if I, I finally am happy with it when I get to the point where I'm like, I don't even care if anyone else likes it, which I think, well, the feedback's already coming out great, but when I get to the point where it's like, I just want to see the truth. Like, I finally am happy enough that it feels bigger than your ability to write it, and it's like, okay, recorded now, it's our duty to get this movie made, because <laughs> it's just too good not to. And I, I hope that doesn't sound, you know, I hope that, uh, sounds the right way but you know it's i think it's i think it's gonna like i just imagine if somebody else made it and i went into the movie theater i would i would love it (laughs) so hopefully that's what everybody else did how different is it from that first one the the first yeah it's very different 
and this one, the first one was basically Fresno State too. And um, the second one was like more of a traveling, kind of down on their luck, uh, kind of, um, you know, like just dump show, moving around kind of thing. It, 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 it didn't hit the plot correctly. And I think this one hits the plot and the theme correctly. It just eases you into a world. It's called Baco. And the story is about the town. Although we have lead characters and, and you know, a really strong deep plot in my opinion. And it's, you know, there's maybe three plot. There's, there's one that really has the character arc and takes you the whole way through. It rides the true story on its back. And that's what I really want to make sure to do because Fresno was a bunch of little, a bunch of little skits that sometimes worked together and sometimes didn't, but it didn't really feel like a cohesive whole. Whereas, like, I wanted this one too, and I think we, I think we nailed that. You know, I'm happy with it. Um, and so, like, yeah, I think that's the difference between finally getting that right plot, do the underlying plot, and then you have to go, okay, what's the side plot? It can eventually intersect with the main plot and help it, you know, get to the last scene, and that's that's the one that we've written for Travis. Uh, so there's so many plots what, though. Since we're here, like, what what's your favorite part of it right now? My favorite part of it is Tommy, the, the sidekick of what hopefully Travis is character. You know, I think he's in the last I heard, but he's. Just wrote me this morning that he's going to be reading the new draft tonight. I think he's going to be pleasantly surprised and completely fired up. He's been nothing but a trooper the whole way through, you know, all the drafts. But um, I think I think he's going to love it. And I like his side character. His sidekick characters are the best. So what's, what's your thoughts? Um, I like the uh, the put him on the spot. Well, I just know how to word it without like giving it away. I like the up and comer, the up and coming athlete that like makes his name. His he's the next generation of Baco, and he basically makes his name throughout the movie. I think that's a um. The time in the if, well, I mean, it, the like we have the perfect guy i'm pretty sure and the whole way the plot goes like i think that's a really good storyline say that say who is attacked um and just to be clear because when i want to be very as far as like you know letting the cat out of the bag what we're the for anybody that listening cares where we're at is we finally have a script and that's what's been lacking um this whole way through and not only a script but a script that we love and so this is the point now where it's going to attachment, getting people that said before, yeah, I'm interested, but they, you know, they haven't really had a chance to look at their cart yet. So we're, I'm going through all the action sports people um, and getting them like actually signed up. So the plot line you're talking about, we wrote for uh, Holden and uh, I actually was with him yesterday and yeah, he's all in. That's not even a, that's not even a, on the fence, right? He's he couldn't be more stoked. It was the best movie, <laughs> and those guys are so good. And, and his buddy Cole, that also does the quarter pipe, and Larry Lankoggle. I met with the three of them, and it was just the perfect kickoff. They're all signed the little letters of intent and stuff. And uh, oh yeah, there it is. Yeah, there there he is. So that was it was just an amazing meeting, and those guys really are 
the heart of you know the feel that we're kind of going for here. Yeah, the Bakos. And listen, Larry had the Bako troops way before uh, this was even talked about, I'm sure. Yeah, that's true. Militia <laughs> had Bako troops. So yeah. Like, that's going back like 15 years. Exactly. <laughs> I remember those guys. Cause there yeah. was the first American trusty tour. There was a band, uh, like a, I don't know. They, they all, the whole the Bako troops came. They were definitely a presence. I remember that. So, yeah, Larry's um, going to be involved. We have a, a, a part for Larry. Um, and a lot of the, some of the things were written for specific people and some of them were not necessarily, and we got to fit people in, but, uh, yeah. and who knows with filming, <laughs> these, some of these people we have, their schedules can shift, but, uh, you know, it's, it's fun getting the first the feedback and, you know, it, and we're still fine tuning. Like every time I'm about to send it to somebody, I'll be look at their part just pretending to be them and making sure it's still cohesive and yeah, uh, still working out. But yeah, it's, it's really at the exciting point. There's some email exchanges we just had right before you called. Um, Lofty, who's a producer on this, is in Los Angeles. So we, we have an ability to get our script to the guy that we want to play, at least to get our captain over the weekend. Oh, yeah, to play Lofty? Yeah. Oh, uh, that's a key. That's it. Right now. Because if we do, we don't get No, we're not going to mention him, but. Uh, if we get him, it's going to be like. Oh, uh, dude. There's a handful of key players. Nick, when you talk, talk low because you are super loud because I got it jacked up so that we can hear um, Adam. Uh, yeah, there's a couple of players where the parts were written like with them in my head and I've tried to run through people that would fit those like do that job and it's and I'm like I'm sure there is somebody but nobody comes to mind right off of the bat so there's definitely a couple of key people that need to be like in and then I think you're full go <laughs> yeah it's, it's funny because i always pictured white yokum with the cowboy hat and kind of his like the, the the guy that was the sling blade white yokum and the um the doctor on crank white yokum and i he's so firmly in my head every time i think of that character i don't think like we have no way to get at him he's from bakersfield uh i think we'll eventually find a way to at least awkward to him but if it's not him i know like i can't think of anybody else i just picture that cowboy hat every time i write i just think of him so hopefully hopefully we can get at him and and that's not even any of the characters i'm talking about because you i've definitely left um him up to you because i feel like and like uh the our narrator um, I feel like I'm not good at writing those parts, <laughs> like so I haven't really messed with those too much. Are you talking about the ice cream stuff? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Ice. I actually feel, I, I mean, you know, it's, uh, I, I feel like I do pretty good in the first draft, but anytime you write to someone like Ice T and you're not Ice T, it's dangerous. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And you so. always have to be like, any critique is, uh, Totally acceptable. Oh yeah, <laughs> that was, a, and I, I yeah, it, it's definitely. Um, 
I was going to relate a Fresno story, but I'm like, I just got to stop connecting everything to Fresno. Yeah, we're not related. It's a new thing. There's like, depending on how everything plays out, there's like two people that relate back. Other than that, it's It's, basically. Definitely, it's very purposeful, its own thing. And, uh, I think the heart of what we're trying to do here is take a little bit of that fun, popular Fresno that. It really worked. It's a lot, a lot of one-liners and cats that would have never been together under different circumstances, and some of that, some of that chaos. So, but then, what's different is a, a little bit more mainstream. Said, you know, on the on the definitely healthier side of mainstream, but not as just completely healthy as Fresno was. It really does come play well unless you know that you know, I wanted to play well no matter. That so that that and they, you know it's twenty years like that that one was made when I was I, I don't even think I could drink legally yet so I was like twenty oh <laughs> really like, <laughs> and so like all these years later it's like you go back into that same that same area uh, you know I think it's I think it's fun I didn't how old are you when did that come out 45. you're what forty five. Uh, so you only got me by five years. That's what I figured. You were only a couple years older than me. Um, cause that's why I was like, but I think I was drinking by the time I saw it, not when it came out. <laughs> yeah. I probably was twenty one. I can't think, but it was like it was right after college. So. <clears throat> and now you've got a ton of experience and. You know, you would always like to think that you're a better version of what you were before. Like, I feel like that I like to go back and try to rewrite old jokes because I would like to think that I'm better joke writer now than I was when I wrote my first jokes. You know, what's your one? Oh, I hate when people fucking do this because it always sucks. It takes a while to get into all this stuff. Like most of my good stuff, so is yeah. this... and most of my, and I haven't done any comedy in for you know a couple months at this point. Yeah, I think it's really hard to be a stand-up comedian, and I got a couple of buddies out because people, even the more established ones that are you know kind of killing it at clubs, which I've had experience with, like hanging out sort of side with a little bit. They're all, there's like this expectation to be like funny or people around them want to, want to pull up their funny. And it's almost like it's sort of a bizarre world for the guys that are killing it in stand up. And listen, everybody's like, I'll tell you if you're funny. Every yeah. single person is a comedy critic. Is everyone's like, you're a comedian. Everyone's the final say on whether or not you're funny. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, okay, thank you. On the upside, it's like it's so respectable to have those uh, fucking cojones to, to go out there. And, I mean, if it's going good and your set's going good, I could see building off that. But if it's the wrong crowd for your style or you're the opening guy or it just goes flat, that like that perseverance to just keep rocking through is, uh, is insane. It's like it's way harder than being an actor. You just take four, take five, take six. Like, you've got to just 
you gotta get you gotta get comfortable in the awkwardness yeah and you just a good way to put it and the worst thing because i go to a lot of amateur nights because i I support my buddies and i i do enjoy going and going to amateur nights just to check people out uh is I hate when they bomb and they like have like this little safety to kind of like skid through it. Well, that worked better at home, or like they kind of start now making a whole. And sometimes it didn't go as bad as they think. Yeah. But they do this whole like recovery act, and it makes you go, "Oh, I guess that joke did suck. I thought it was sort of funny, you know." Like, <laughs> their their recovery just makes it work. Yeah. And so like I think I think the message as a fan of stand up comedians is. If you're ever bombing, never admit it. Just keep rolling. Sometimes I think acknowledging is good, but it can't become like the response to every joke. Or eventually yeah. people get mad and then they're like, you guys suck. That's funny. And I'm like, you know, if in your first 30 seconds to a minute, you don't land the people, you're kind of. Like you're fighting out of a hole. And a lot of times I always like to look at it as I didn't uh, use the right material for this crowd or I didn't tell the joke right or whatever. But I always try to look at how I could have conveyed it better to that crowd, no matter if they're older or younger. I've done a bunch of comedy crowds are normally older. And I realized that 90% of the references don't fucking work. Number two is having the notepad. Unless you're Sarah Silverman truly working out your Oscar speech or whatever, just hold a little book of your notes. Like, come on, man. If you're, that feels good for me, too. Like, if you're at a, going, okay, so, at an open know, mic, though? Walk back over to the little stool with your notes. <laughs> you're describing clint's act at at open mics i'll seriously um have i have a list of stuff in my phone and i'll go there that night and i'll look at a bunch of stuff and go like i want to try this 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 and this and i'll not even have them written out and i just go up and i'll read them and talk about them or whatever and that's how i start the uh is he flexing on us again and then, right? Yeah. It's always flexing. Um, and that's how I start. Don't distract your, your your story of comedy. He just killed my set. <laughs> Sorry, Clint. He's doing his recovery jokes now. Yeah. I thought you meant Ike was out there doing recovery jokes. <clears throat> Did he have a hard <laughs> workout today? He anyway. hit the monkey bars pretty hard today. Nice. That'll I, do put him, I put them up high so they're dangerous. Um, you guys have monkey bars? Those, yeah. You can't do that I in California. Have, I, I have three kids in one room, and I'm about to kick out the people that are running the downstairs, so every kid's going to have their own room. And I got one kid that's got ADD, and he's like got so much energy. And I'm truly looking at making his room like parkour with like these bars everywhere and like a little mini trampoline. <laughs> it will just commanding up front. Yes, it's going to completely destroy that house 
and uh, or you know what I mean. I'll have to redo the drywall eventually, but I think I'm gonna just make the whole thing just for him to be able to crawl over the whole room, get his energy out. That's awesome. Do it. Idea, but, I mean, it's, it's worth it. Either that or put him on kitty speed, and that's probably not a good idea. Yeah. The whole backyard's monkey bars and swings and. It's called middle school math. All right. <laughs> oh, you said the right words. My dog's like, "What middle school math?" <laughs> uh, the um, Cannon Man, the whole Cannon family, Jen Schneider and David Smith, and all those guys—they all shoot out of cannons. So they told me when they were young, and they were in circus and stuff like that. So they said when they were young, the house was round and it was like just a balcony around the outside. And the only way to get to the second floor was by like rope or like ladder or like uh, there was like um, those loop things, whatever the hell they're called. So you could swing across and like that's the only way you could get around the place was like swinging from ring to ring and. They're all friggin' amazing, talented, like, you know, athletes. Yeah, didn't one of them? Well, out of you guys' 110 episodes, what's, what's, been, uh, what's been the best one? Outside of mine, of course. Other than yours? Because that's obviously the one. I love Mad Mike. <laughs> Dude, Mike was good, and I kind of knew his background. So that was a little bit better. We could get into that. He was pumped on that, I think. Um, like arena cross and all that? I don't know. Some of those, obviously, I think some of those viewings were my favorite just because of the um, amount of people on there, you know? Fro, I never really was around Fro. Or Seth, I think I ran into Seth once at a after party somewhere. You know, yeah. and that was it. So, uh, which he didn't say very much. Same thing as he when he was live. He didn't say very much either. But um, I think those ones are cool because there was a lot of guys on there. You get that in the right mood. He actually isn't as quiet as he comes across all the time. Huh? Yeah, sometimes if you hit him, you know, you get him in the right, the right zone or the right you know, partying or whatever, he's not quiet like that at all. But every time he's on media, he just is really kind of man a few words. Yeah. Kind of funny. Yeah, I saw him one night um, talking a bunch, probably, like you said, right in the right zone. I wasn't necessarily talking to him. I happened to be, like, in a room somewhere or, like, at the bar or whatever it was. But uh, that's the only time. Other than that, every time I'd ever seen him – he didn't really say very much which is fine i don't talk very much either if i don't know you so that's just how it is yeah you guys have some uh an 80 clips or something yeah i was going to he just uh i don't know what happened to him his connection he lives out in the middle of nowhere yeah i wanted to watch that i know uh kyle put youngstown up and the the original pegs, not the second pegs, and uh, 
there's a couple maybe Brody or Jack or something's blowing up is on there. Just the one. Who? Kyle. I haven't talked to him in uh maybe almost a year now either. Um, so I don't really know. The last time I talked to him he was in Germany or something yeah, like that. So I don't know. I haven't figured that out. Even when we were doing something up. He's got a trust fund, but he's got he's got something <laughs> he's got a an offshore account I think he just we used to call him the scavenger. Um, because he would just like not order any food and then just eat whatever you had left on your uh, total BMXer move. Just be like, you gonna eat those fries and just eat everybody's <laughs> left leftovers. He would do that all the time. He, he get he we'd go to Wendy's and he'd go to like the one dollar menu and get like two things and then just wait for everybody else and just see what they didn't eat. <laughs> John Rushton had a similar style. Yeah, oh, those two guys loved each other, so I'm sure they I were... I love them both. Like, they're, <laughs> they're, they're some of my best friends, like, back in the day, and uh, they're both great, but John's, like, funny, because he's, like, at first he's, like, crashing on, on his couch because he, you know, he needs a place for the night, and then the second night he's just like, hey, you know, hook it up again, and then by, like, and then, like, it just starts slowly, slowly, like, it starts changing. And then, you know, it's like day nine. And you enjoy having them around, so it's not really a hassle. <laughs> but then at some point, like, it, like, it crosses the line where he feels like he gets to sort of pick the TV shows we're watching. <laughs> 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 it's pretty left pretty soon. It's like, hey, how come this is a little refresh? Like, the demand start coming in. And then you have to go, John, I'm not even... I remembered letting you stay over two nights. Now you're making me cook you a ham? Like, what the fuck? <laughs> uh, yeah. He was one of those. I think he's still filming Supercross, I believe. Oh, That's, yeah? I think so. I think he's going to destroy a bit. Sweet. Yeah, we're going to watch a couple clips and then, uh, I don't know, not be up too late. I got to go to work in the morning. Yeah, I, gotta, I actually have to jump off but uh, any other things you want to discuss on the potato or anything else no i'm just excited <laughs> so then i'll just i'll just end up talking a bunch i'm trying to keep it my trying it's hard not to be able to, to kind of bite your tongue and yeah mystery. like the font like i would love to just be able to just dissect the crap out of it but it's like there is a cart before the horse like we we have to do, you know, it feels like a big success because we have a script and we're happy and it's getting good reviews, but, you know, the, now the work really begins. Now the hustle really begins. It's actually getting somebody to put money together and then, you know, all the elements that come back. So, you know, it's well worth it to uh, have a project like this and get the team back together and, you know, be on set and, you know, having this ridiculous, some of these ridiculous scenes getting filmed is amazing dude for me i've never i've only produced my own stuff to even be involved and be on set and all that is gonna be uh pretty you know amazing to me yeah i'm just excited for stuff to start you know happening 
which yeah, I know it hasn't yeah. been that long, but still, that's how I am with everything. I'm like, why can't them be now? Yeah, yeah. Let's go. Yeah, hurry it up. It's all like <laughs> little clips that Clint sends me of like little pictures of things, and I don't know what the hell's going on. I'll send him a scene that I wrote or something, and he's just like, what the hell is that? <laughs> Doesn't make it. Yeah, you, you had a lot of the Uncle Ronnie scene for you, um, a lot of that stuff, a lot of uh, what Travis's vision, you really helped shape that thing into what it ended up becoming. Uh, what were some of the other... couple locations. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Which I, can, I didn't tell you this, but say, it was hard to have the, the one venue and then tracks next, so I combined them. But I left I left the name, so now it's all together. Like where the band plays, it's it's like it's uh, one of those venues that's a bar, plus, you know, like a thousand person venue plus a bar. Right. So can play both. That can, that what that uh, track snacks was only supposed to be for one scene anyway, and <laughs> then know. all of a sudden it's become like its own thing. I like the title. <laughs> but you know, you also you all it's sometimes you get to the end and it's like you got to start. It helps the audience if you have less location. Yeah. So for sure. you know, we combine those other two elements of where the, the last scene. You know, sometimes it has to be just kind of combined. And it, it, that's where it's at now. It's just making it tighter and tighter. You know, well, what scenes are not even working anymore that used to work? You know, some things fade away, and the best scenes to keep. Well, I saw one of my favorite scenes not in the recent uh, version, so we're going to have to discuss that. Well, we, we can definitely <laughs> discuss that. Actually, uh, it was only like two lines, but they were key lines, I felt like. Which, which well, yeah, we'll just talk about <laughs> 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 All right. Um, show, let me know whatever anybody said, because I'm too excited. Yeah, no, I actually just got a blast of, uh, I just had one of the, one of my buddies, you know, there's, there's, of course, we got to keep the scripts under, under wraps, but there's like some people I know that kind of know scripts, but don't know the industry. There's a couple other like really good friends that know the industry well, but don't know scripts. And, you know, just hearing everybody's feedback is very encouraging. It really helped us, you know, you don't have any one person's going to give you a dumb note and you can, you can hate it or not. But if four people give you the same dumb note, you got to be like, it's, it's not working. You yeah. know, you gotta, you gotta put your guard down and not be defensive and go like, okay, if this if four people in a row is not digging this, we got to really look at it. And that's happened a few times. And it's, uh, I like this process the best because the hard work has been done and now it's just making it funner and funner. And uh, I did, I was just back and forth, and you know, I drill people that, that are doing our reviewing, like, is this part working? What about this? Did this confuse you, you know, and just pounding people. And this was the first person that read the first draft and then the latest draft. And it was very encouraging because this is a dude that um, won't, won't hold back. And he, he's just like, he, he was, he was very um, stoked on it as well, so. Uh, I'll, I'll forward you those. I'm sure. Is that who gave us the? I think it was a non. 
uh, Moto guy, they gave us the really good critique at one point, oh, like yeah, a long. That was like John Tabor, who who is a stand-up comedian as well. A his, long, in-depth one, yeah, and was like that one really, like honestly, helped us fix like a handful yeah. of storylines and like work yeah. them out a yeah, little bit. Yeah, we had really good ideas. Andy Boyer, um, he's a Moto guy, uh, Loretta Lynch champion. Um, he had some really good notes, and he's a fabulous writer. Like, ever since I knew him from Fox and uh, just being his Facebook friend, like, he's written for um, different, I think, the next day and things like that. He's a really good writer. His notes were amazing. And uh, this other guy, I just, I knew, I never really met in person, but this other guy I just known from the industry forever, just through Instagram, whatever. Just, uh, he was, um, he gave some amazing notes as well. Those three of them the best. Everybody that's reading their parts has a little bit of a say in their part or, you know, possible ideas. And, you know, it's going good. So I'll send you that last batch, but it's just, it's just a few times doing things. But mostly just he was feeling like we really wronged some of the, uh, the streamlining of some of the ending stuff is pretty good. I feel like this is going to be the most boring podcast for anybody to listen to. <laughs> it's funny I, to wrap with you because, first of all, I always see you through text threads. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, we, we are at a fun little point. Like, that, like oh, my gosh, we just got through this storm. 100 pages and it's all scripted. So I think that uh, people that are into this are definitely going to like to hear about the process and that something is, you know, that we're doing it as much as, you know, like it's kind of rolling at this point. Um, the other thing I just thought of was <coughs> that it actually is super similar to writing jokes as far as you come up with your ideas, you know, like you started with basically the skeleton, just the outline. Right. And then we filled everything in and then we had to rework, you know, some of the plots and stuff like that and then work it down to dialogue. And then you get to a point where it the economy of words, just like comedy, you have to narrow it down to only only the lines that actually work and hit versus yeah. having a bunch of extra, um, you know, talking that doesn't uh, help the joke any eventually you want to cut it down to just every line that you have in comedy is just like, you know, a setup or a punchline. There's a lot of layers. And, you know, it's like you can individually have scenes that kind of work alone, but then you put them back to back and it's starting to feel weird. You know, it's like, it's just this machine of characters and scenes and then script order and it's like oh my gosh this has been boring for four scenes we gotta have an action like it's just the waves and anybody that just thinks they can sit down and knock out a script is more talented than we are because i think it's just writing is rewriting like every word has been at this point smashed and rewritten you know and then and then you take it take the weekend away and you come back and you get up to the point like okay now this stop or this is the, we, the old strong link is now the weakest link because everything else is packed it up and then yeah. that gets killed. Yeah, and, the you know. storylines, honestly, you've uh, made sure every set of characters has their own running storylines in it, which to me, I was like, 
You know, I've always respected movies that when you watch and every character, like, everything is strong like that and there's a lot of good lines from everybody. And you've done that as far as making sure that everything, like in, like you said, intertwines and everybody has their own back and forth and it's like, there's it's, I don't know, I guess I've never thought of how much actually goes into the intricacies of all everybody's relationships and everything, but it's been fun trying to map it all out and make people interact and still remember how they feel at that point, you know, in the story or whatever. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's crazy. It's, 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 it's a lot, but it's, it's, it makes you pull your hair out when it's not working, and um, you feel great. It's like, it's just a beast. It's a total beast to get the entire thing done correctly. And, you know, again, like back to, I've written, I've written several scripts now, um, but the, you know, back to the one that this is semi based off of, we didn't do it. If anything, the first thing that came to mind, it was just Hail Mary. You know, we, I, there was a little bit of that, but this, this one is completely thought out. So the whole whole different um, set of rules to go by. Um, you know, sometimes there's a couple of themes that were so good on their own, but they were just really deadweight stories. The story's always got to be. The flow and the pace has always got to be number one. I mean, even if it's good, but it's taking you to left field, it doesn't, it doesn't move back around, got to be tough. Sometimes that hurts. Like, yeah. But you, you know, but like, you know, I like that one scene in the yoga shop, but it, it just wasn't helping. It wasn't helping overall. It was just kind of a scene that was good on its own. And it just had to go. So, I'm still going to work to try to get that other scene. Two parts. I don't know what you're talking about, but yeah. <laughs> I try, you know what I do? Because when you send it, when you send stuff over, it's like comes in with your ears in red, and I don't do it. I highlight everything and I go back to black, try to be unbiased. Uh, I try to be, you know, as much as a, a little bit, you know, and uh, it, it just uh, it steamroll through it. Like, but yeah, I, don't, I don't know exactly what you're meaning, but I'm sure it's probably an act three because that has been. I, the first act three was so confusing and so like i had to like it had to get we had it all in there but there was just too much of that thing has been that's been the like the biggest thing to, and it's got to wrap everything up so that one because act really, three is the arc de triomphe yeah <laughs> there was a time when our act de triomphe was just a nightmare it was basically our we spent so much time on an act one and an act two, and then act three was right back to Fresno Square. It's like, no. I got so confused by it, I had to strip everything out and just go main character. Okay, B story. And, then, and that's why I was like, I knew you were going to feel like I cut all your cop stuff that I did. Oh, I know. And I know that you've told me, write something in more than once if you really like it, because sometimes. Yeah. You just overlook it. There's a lot of pages yeah. to go through and hit every friggin' word that was changed, yeah. you know? Well, I think it only works because you are new to this and, uh, and allowing my steamroller to come in and, uh, you know, smash it down. But at least on my defense, like, I do the same thing in my own writing. It's like, you, you've seen it. Like, everything has been rewritten, you know, several yeah. times. 
Listen, I'm um, super excited about the opportunity, and I understand the opportunity that I'm getting being a barely made it out of high school dirt bike guy. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's starting <laughs> comedy. Like, who the hell am I? Uh, so to be in the even in the um, he had never had the screenplay format. I, I felt like a teacher. I would send it back and be like, "Nope, get that. I'm not going to read it until you get that format correct." <laughs> yeah, he just keeps going. It's kind of a pain in the ass, but I think you got it pretty dialed now. Does Does Clint spell check when he sends stuff to you? Neither does Adam. So that one's Adam, <laughs> that one's off the well, board. It has a spell check, but it's like you got it. There's like a form. Does he use it? It's a pain in the ass. It's like you know. Interior uh, skate park, or no, that's an exterior. Exterior skate park, and then you write your action, character and character, da, 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 and then you write your dialogue, which is broken up by more action. It's like its whole little beast. And until you, it's like driving or whatever. Like once you get it dialed, it's like second nature. But at the beginning, it, it kind of throws you, and it's like, you know, you're, you're helping me because really, the, especially towards the later half, it would be like, I come up with ideas. I let you take the first practice crafting them. Because to me, it's like, it's easier to go in and tweak than to like write from scratch. So that you would start, in a lot of the scenes, write the base. Then I would smash on over that. And then you would go over mine. And then, you know, eventually it got to where it was all, it was all going. But you always, you know, we, Obviously, I was the driver, but you're, you know, having somebody to shoot it off, and having, you know, some of, and some of the like, there's somebody that said some of the lines from Uncle Ronnie's are their favorite thing in the whole script, so you can take pride in that. <laughs> and that was actually the very first, that was your very first contribution. And at the time, it, I mean, it, it was random, and I liked it, but I didn't, you know, I wasn't that thrilled about it. But now that now that it's played out throughout the script, it's really funny. And that was the la that's a last a later edition add-in. There was like he was in one scene or two scenes. He was in two scenes up until like two weeks ago, and then uh, I just inserted him in a bunch of random places. I was yeah. like, where would Uncle Ronnie pop up? So I just <laughs> the other day, I'm like, we spent all this time with Uncle Ronnie, and the one time we really need him was when the van crashed. And I go, we have, we have a bad time. So now I have him driving by on a scooter. Oh, perfect. <laughs> right at the worst time, just to have like a little. Perfect. Oh, my God. We are so far down a rabbit hole. Like, I, I feel for anybody that cared. But... No, I think it's good. It creates intrigue. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, though, right? Oh, I know exactly. Got, That's How did I, I, I miss that? that? We're on, on, on a little scooter. We just drive by just to have a little insult to how did I miss that scene with that? that was I don't know. How you <laughs> and he also comes through with the CD player. I don't know if you read that in the last yep. year. Yeah. yeah. Ron's been a, Ron, Uncle Ronnie's been very key to uh, some comic relief. Yeah, for sure. He'll be good. All right. Well, I actually am still online as well with my real gig, and I gotta go wrap right. some points up because everybody's off tomorrow for the, the holiday that just got bestowed on all of us. So I gotta keep that. But all right. um, I'll, I'll do a quick little intro. I think how I I met you was through this guy we talked about, Kyle, 
and Kyle used to film for M80, and he was living on the East Coast, and I, I don't know how you see that. You can talk about that part, but we, I did say to Kyle, he wanted to do a bunch of segments where he would shoot and produce, send all the footage, and we'd have the M80 editors edit it, and it could reflect a lot of like the stuff that you and your, your, your guys that weren't getting too much publicity and to us, it was great because it wasn't West Coast. We had so much macular footage and, you know, glamis and Ocotillo and stuff. Having some East Coast stuff was cool. And I do remember we were trying really hard to have things that had never been done before. We did Carson or Doug Carson's quarter pipe. We were the first ones to put that all together. The wall ride. And, we, you know, it was just fun. Like, people were trying new things because it was that fun time. And so we had you... You guys had the idea. I just tried to do somewhat something random. That was Kyle's had. idea. It was Kyle's idea. He was a okay. BMX guy. Yeah. So I think that's that's one of the, the things you're gonna play. So you basically shot all this stuff. It wasn't any of my my normal crew. It was submitted, and then I think we had like four or five segments you guys did sprinkled across a couple of seasons. I think we so, did nine total. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, because I did. Um, so I basically somebody I had grown up with. I taught how to do no handers on a bicycle when we were like 13 and 14. Met Kyle somewhere. He tried to actually steal his bicycle. This is a true story. My friend tried to steal or maybe cut one of them tried to steal the other one's bicycle. <laughs> And then they, I think my friend tried to steal Kyle's bicycle. And then they became friends and ended up riding together. And they were friends for a long time. And then I kept talking about making a dirt bike video in the bicycle style. And my friend's like, dude, I got the kid to make your video. Only thing that Kyle, this is a true story. Only thing that Kyle had made at that time was a 90 second ad that he had made like five he had had for five years about this bicycle video he was going to put out but my friend george is like listen i go what the fuck makes you think he's gonna do my video and he goes money he goes if you pay him he'll get that thing done so sure enough i paid kyle and he filmed the whole video so while we're doing the first video he's like hey uh i answered an ad on craigslist they uh one it said extreme sports footage for fox sports uh show which was adam and he submitted it so then i was already setting up all this for crash footage i thought but it said i like talked me up or talked talk himself up i mean and he, uh i think i mean i couldn't i could be wrong he said but i don't think i was looking for just random moto footage i think we were particularly because there were a lot out there and it wasn't it wasn't the day of YouTube yet or like it was just starting to be. It wasn't like you could find people on the internet. And I knew all these people were sitting on it, um, you know, just some epic crashes just to help sprinkle in here and there. I think that's what the ad was for. But it I think it said extreme sports uh, because he was like, normally I wouldn't answer because I hate the term you extreme. I was looking for a cameraman. There's no way I was putting up an ad for Extreme Sports. <laughs> <laughs> already we're getting paid by Fox Sports to make a show. I don't it know. anything. We'll put it on. Uh, <laughs> it had to have been focused. But I do remember Kyle came over. I remember exactly where we sat. He was all like wearing his little suit. like he was for, Or not suit, but it, like some kind of college shirt. <laughs> and uh, 
you know, we had just gotten off like a crazy desert shoot. Like, I think I had a beer. I was like, just so like, so quick with his interview, and he was all prepared with his like, you know, resume and all that. I was like, dude, don't even worry about it. Like, here, here's this, this, and this, and um, you know, I'll give you, I'll give you a shot. It's all about the footage. You guys pulled off some cool stuff that we weren't totally different than what we were doing. So it was, it was welcome, and it was cool to get, you know, some of those guys that, uh, you know, some of your East Coast guys that were coming up some exposure on TV. So yeah, you, you I do got to go though. Because yeah, okay. I, I could possibly come back, but I've got to close this out of my work. I'm in the gym. All right. And then get we're really gonna have to make take or I'm in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But, hey, always a pleasure, guys. Yeah, man. Uh, thanks, and uh, enjoy these amazing clips created by you and Kyle, edited by my team, and put on M80 that was on Fuel TV for, I don't know, a good three or four years back in the prime of photo at the next day. Is that, is that a good, is that a good exit? Excellent. Perfect. This is a great conversation that I had no clue what was going on the whole time. Cheers. <laughs> All right, dude. Take All right, see later. Ya. What were you guys talking about? Why? Could you not hear us? Um, no, I could hear it. It was just all the Baco stuff. It was like half of it was in code. Well, you're like, you know, the part I'm talking about. What? Well, yeah. Which I'm fine with. No, you actually read the part that I'm talking about. I was very proud of it. So I sent it to you. Yeah, it's, but what I read that on it's Snapchat. The cucumber one. No, it's probably in your text. Oh, well, then I got to look again. Because I read it, but, you know. I didn't expect you to remember the lines or anything. Oh, My well, ice good. is frozen together. You got your uh, booze kit right next to you? Yeah. I need to line the drawer with um, plastic. Oh, because it's leaking? No, just because then I could put ice in the drawer and have the tequila oh. in the drawer with some ice. It would be there. crazy if they made a thing that, like, held ice but was plastic. So, like, you know, it would hold water and ice. <laughs> I want it inserted in the drawer, though, so that it's just part of the desk. Just get a cooler that fits. This is, like, a 80-year-old desk, bro. Oh, well, just type that into the Igloo Cooler website. I'm sure they have a model that fits that. You got a model number for your 80-year-old desk? No, they didn't even have numbers then. They, it's on there. I'll take it to um, Antiques Roadshow. They'll tell you which one to get. They just used to use flasks back then. They used to I got get little, ice I got out of lakes. Did you know that? Exactly. They would cut chunks of ice. And then they would stack it in barns. They'd put big chunk of ice, hay, big chunk of ice, hay. And that, like, you know how, like, a, a plowed up thing of snow lasts till, like, late spring? That barn, those blocks of ice would stay, like, all summer or most of the summer. I learned this from Burger. That sounds like some shitty-ass ice. Well, yeah, but they didn't have refrigeration. Refrigeration. This doesn't have refrigeration. Oh yeah. This drink. Did we go warm? We didn't go. Cerveza. YouTube. YouTube's a fucker. 
Um, what am I looking for? Vimeo. Watching somebody do a wheelie on a banshee, bro. On a banshee. That's a blaster. Huh? On a banshee. It's a blaster. All right. My bad. Oh. Yeah, bro. You're bad. Embarrassing. I need to get a new seat. I don't like my spot here. I'm sorry you don't like your spot. I feel trapped in this room. Bam, 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 bam. You know what that is? That's M80. I used to, I've told, uh, Oh, uh, Riders Lounge. I was like, I used to tape those on VHS. And that's when he's like, what's VHS? What? He's older than me. He knows. Unless they didn't have them down under. Down under. Oh, we don't have no video devs. They went, they had eight track until the 90s. (laughs) Laserdisc? Hold on. All right. I got to get on here so I can see. There we go. Let me pause it. Oh, oh, this was distracting when I was 13 taping this. Yeah, I was like, honestly, when the segments come out, I was like, I want to see the hottie for our, <laughs> for our <laughs> you know, segment or whatever for the episodes we're on. Yep. Dude, what year ha- is this from? Ah, uh, shit. Probably. Um, shit. Like. Oh, uh, late oh four or oh five. Oh shit! I was uh, twenty one, twenty two. Yeah, I was uh, twenty four, twenty five. So I felt like I was fourteen though. Hey guys, we're back with some exclusive footage on the first guy ever to attempt a pig grind on a two fifty cc motorcycle. And as promised, who could that be? Trust me, guys, they look much better on. But hey, use your imagination. Why'd you duck her pants? Can't be caught with that. What's up? My name's Clint Escovito. I'm from Ledgewood, New Jersey. Flavor saver, brah. That's Winstead. I've been riding since (laughs) I was nine or ten. And I started racing Poser. Skill for three years. No, no, no. The Shaolin was Winstead. Freestyle. Oh. We were both on Suzuki. Good jam, too. Freestyle and make it more technical and have two sides to it. You know, uh, Jesse Olsen, you know, does a lot of really cool technical stuff. Check out my eyebrows back then. I really see freestyle going in places. Do you get them uh, threaded now? Like big yeah. skate parts for motorcycles. I go to the I, I go to Walmart, get them eyebrow threaded at the front. No, I trim them with my ball with trimmer. The first time we tried to build the peg, well, we basically found out that. So is this the footage you're talking about? It has Adam. He's just gonna talk over you know, the I've whole thing. I've had a brand new bike I've ridden probably about five ten minutes, and we just put the <laughs> axle on it. So that was obviously not a good plan, but uh, I think we we got a a better direction we're going now. You're doing your math talking. My math. Speed talking, whatever, Adderall, that's what it is. Middle school math. 
That's just Jeff Palazzi. That's where the shop I work at. Well, that's not. But. Right now? Yeah. When I go down to the shop, I'm going Jeff tomorrow. Palazzi. Palazzio. Hey. I think it went uh, pretty good. There's definitely ways to do it and ways, you know, there's techniques to everything. So this is a, this is a, um, look, I made my ramp way too steep. You'll see, look, it flips over the one time right there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is like a, a park in Philadelphia at midnight and it's raining. So the, I got a, I got a, um, sweatshirt tied around my exhaust pipe and the end of it there's like a um gatorade bottle with holes drilled in it and some foam just to try and make the bike not quite so friggin loud like a homemade silencer for like a gun basically i like how you were doing it in the rain well that was brody that was, that was um huge. when we scheduled it i don't know what this video is let's see Oh, it's just season three. Whoa, what happened? No, pause. Um... It's all st still pretty relevant. The tricks are still badass. Girls don't look like they're from 100 years ago. That's good. That's the most. What you happened? Know? I'm not allowed to... Shut you down. Yeah. We got no action on uh, anything. We're not on YouTube. Yeah, I know that. Right. But... It's got to be on Facebook or something, no? Yeah, it's on Facebook and Twitch. Yeah, so then. Like I said. Uh, somebody says they know me. Uh, here we go. Greg Hartman's M80. So basically, we got, we would get, um, He'd say, okay, we got so many segments for you guys to do. You get to do a blowing up, you know, so many blowing ups. Then they had scene checks. So basically I was like, okay, we got to do Youngstown. We got to give um, Hartman a blowing up and got to give Brody a blowing up. I know we did those. I think we might have did Jack Rowe as well. Um, and then we did, like I said, Youngstown, and I'm not, I'm not sure. I don't remember all the ones. You know what I'm really? It's not, uh, it's not M80, but I'm really mad. The season that I was on, uh, built a shred. Yeah. Uh, we did. We rode at Kona. We rode the the uh, concrete skate park and 
the season I was on, there's some kind of legal issue. Every other season is online. The only one that's not online is season three. That's the season that we rode the, the skate park. I'm pretty sure I've seen that. Probably just when it was on TV because it's online nowhere. I can find where it was on Fuel TV or whatever, but the site's down. But I can find like where it was there, but you can't find that episode or that whole season, actually. Anything FMX East was like, uh, I don't know. It was the cool thing to see because you saw everything Militia, everything West Coast, Arizona. So like being in a flyover state, seeing something that's closer to you was what you wanted, you know was something cool to see we not were just relatable. the same huh we were relatable you were like these guys are nobody too <laughs> <laughs> all right hold on i'm gonna play we'll have more mike mason in europe later on in the episode but right now we have greg hartman blowing up blowing up Greg Hartman, who converted to, uh, what, being a Mennonite? Yep. Voluntarily. Voluntarily. Double Ds. Uh, a day goes by that I don't think, man, I have the coolest job in the world. <clears throat> Greg Hartman, 22 years old. I'm a freestyle motocross rider. Sure, we'll get, we already got pulled for this music anyway, so... I've been riding since I was like five years old. For a living, I've been riding since I was 18. I felt like God said, this is what I want you to do with your life. And I've kind of geared everything in my life to that ever since. Um, little known fact, the first time he left the state without his parents was with me to go to a show. Past year, I've lived at Chuck Rollers' house <laughs> in Cleveland, Texas. <laughs> the past year and a half, Texas is where I rode at like in between events and Pretty much the only place you get to practice, period. Who was jumping that lake jump ramp? Are they clearing that whole dock? Uh, no. That was just sitting there. I know, but it looked exciting like that. It was so flat, you couldn't have gotten a run on a bicycle over there. Just keep off the dock. I don't even think I was there for that. Tell you the truth. I think I was hurt. I saw Greg Hartman on something at Keith Sayers' house. And they're like, he just started his bike. It was like the first and just getting more control of my bike and all that kind of stuff that I didn't learn because I was I've always just been kind of a ramp kid and Chuck worked with me a lot on confidence. Both those guys mean a lot to me as far as influencing my riding. Lately, I just started um, doing long ramp flips. If they continue to go well, I'd like to step into something a little bit bigger and try my hand at something like a view tour. Another couple years, hopefully I'll still be riding motorcycles and hopefully I'll still be having fun and hanging out with my friends and traveling and getting to see the world and I love it. What are you laughing at? Wasn't he dancing at the end there? Yeah. He probably had some fucking country music or something on. (laughs) (laughs) 
the best of M80. Let's see what's on here. Who posted all this? Um, there's a bunch of. Uh, oh, bitches. 22 minutes. Bitches. The oh. fuck out of here. Get the full series for $13.44. I'm going to call Adam up right now. Is that Vimeo? Yeah. Fuel still trying to make money? I don't think it's fuel, is it? Oh, yeah, it is fuel yeah, TV. Yeah, you see it? <laughs> but who's fuel anymore? Just some guy yeah, created the screen exactly. named Fuel? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's like uh, 1344. 1344 seems like a good number. This is Kyle. Watch live. What is going on here on this page? Is this what he's doing now? What the oh, fuck wow. is going on? No, what are you really up to, buddy? Here, I'll just get rid of it. Kyle Huber. Get rid of it while I search. Video music awards. He's making video music award videos. See that? He went. Double D was talking shit a second ago, and he. Who? Dandy Wayne. But he bailed on us. Was he in the chat? I just, yeah, like 10 minutes ago. And you didn't say hi to him? I called oh. him a bitch. That's what he happened. He called me a slut. He called us a slut. So I responded properly. and We're both one slut. We are the slut. He, uh, he didn't get a response in 10 minutes, so he's like, I'm fucking out of I'm here. I'm out of here. Fuck these guys. Um, I can't find anymore. I thought there was a Brody Wilson blowing up. Alright, I'll talk so I can type. Nope. Keep people entertained while I search. Okay, what am I? I'm. I was keeping myself entertained on the uh, the gram. Oh, Danny D Wayne's back. If he's a Mennonite, he can still ride. He just can't shave his beard. He never even had a beard. Tell us more, Danny D Wayne. No, he. Uh, Does that mean Danny D Wayne's a Mennonite? Sounds like it. Expose fucking... yourself. Double D, not like that. Yeah. Watch what you asked at Double D. <laughs> it's just it's like, ah, got a wiener. Had that coming. Let's see. Uh, so did was Adam saying that he had a script before that one? That we looked at, that we had, the, like, remember the first podcast with them? We had that script. <clears throat> there might have been one before that. I mean, we. Oh, here we go. I found it. Um. 
I know he and I have done at least two. I don't know if he meant the adjustments that have happened on on this. You know what I mean? But uh, yeah, maybe he had one before. He he very well could have. Dude, he the way he breaks stuff down and then you know, like I almost felt just like he said, he's like I'll let you kind of write the initial draft, which basically his explanations were pretty good. It's like this scene so and so and so and so need to basically say this. So I gotta write it out so that you're like the intern they have a conversation about it yeah write it out so like they have a conversation about whatever it is and it kind of like gets to the point that he wants to reach to you know reach yeah but then i'll send it to him and then he'll totally go back through it and like rerun the whole the whole thing and i'm sure add it the way that he saw it anyway you know, like, but you get he you did the hard work of putting it all, laying it out. Yeah, but I, I mean, a lot of time, like he said, he he'd have to restructure it. I'm sure if he didn't like the flow or whatever of what I did, sometimes I'm sure something came out and he was like, "Oh, that's pretty good." Like track snacks. Yeah, well, that's what's cool is if you put a lot of time into it, like he was saying. um just going over things and put it in twice if you ever want, if you want to see it once or whatever. Cause then if it is low budget, as far as the filming end of it, it'll still come out, you know, entertaining. You have a low Cause you budget, could have a, a big budget movie that sucks, but you got enough, you know, graphics and effects yeah. and shit and it'll be watchable. But low budget is still like three, four, five million dollars. No, I know. Yeah. But not, but it's just got to be that much funnier, especially since it's unknown. You won't have the publicity or the, you know, um, honestly, I think there's a shot to get there. There's some, there's some key players that if we get in, not even on the action sports industry, like Adam knows people. And if we get, uh, I think there's a chance for it to become like a, like uh van wilder yeah you know what i mean uh, of action sports i feel like maybe how many action sports movies were really done good like motocrosses cheese <laughs> you know what i mean like well wasn't that just disney going put something out there well, with a the dirt bike in it exactly i mean that's well, kind this of would be my funny point. and and people, I think, are looking for something different because everything's a fucking, basically, a comic book movie or well, superhero movie at this point. And we have skateboarders and BMXers. and Yeah, so you'll grab... I mean, in, as far as action sports, that's that's the new sports. Everybody plays basketball, but everybody wants a skateboard ride. Well, and even if we don't get the basketball players, who the fuck cares? Like, basically, we're just trying to play to all those people that do ride bicycles and stuff like that and no but it. i'm just saying like nowadays like back in the day it was like what do you place basketball football uh, baseball now it's like every kid's at least got a skateboard or a bike or a dirt bike so they can relate in that way yeah for sure 
All right, let's watch. Uh, we'll watch Youngstown. Can I mean dough? This chick is hot. Baby, straight into the hub, Youngstown, yeah, Ohio. Check this is out my these favorite. Ohioans doing that. As far as my segments. <laughs> uh, my name is uh, Timothy Paul Boca. Um, this is my riding spot. I built this place with my bare There's hands. Means breaking ramps. Never got to ride it. Uh, that's sad. We got ramp rhythms, and uh, when you land after that, you can either make a sharp left, and then we got a set of three small dirt rhythms. And I made all the downsides close enough so you could hip out of each one, and you could do different trains and stuff like that through it. Just kind of made it a little bit different. Just took advantage of the space that we had. Every time I come, Tim's got a new jump built, and, and uh, now he's stepped up to a whole new level with the, you know, the dirt hits. It's made me a better rider over the year coming here. It's amazing. It's like going to a skate park for your motorcycle. It's just endless what you can do here, and I've never that's ridden me. a place that was like that. And that's Jack, not Brian Hennon. Scott Hanlon. Adam Kuzno. TV. That was old TV, bro. It was Gary. I could tell by the the grab. This is actually the third place that I built. The first two places got shut down. Like three years ago, we decided to just start building out here. Run it's the hose. Because it's all industrial wasteland and stuff like that. But uh, that's, pre that's pretty much what we got into this. I help groom the place. I come by every now and again and, you know, help him fix it up. But it's just love riding and we wanted a place that was, you know, as good as anywhere to ride. That's a goggle trip. That was Brian Henning. That's Jack Brown. He was 17 there. Wow. He learned all those tricks in like a couple of weeks. And I was like. <laughs> He's always been focused. I was like, fuck off. That's handling. Tim's got a good eye and he's made a cool place here. And that's Dave's son, the owner's son. Very cool to make him the uh, final shot. That's right. Well, uh, Kyle did that. That's right. That's right. That is correct. So you got what's going on? What the hell? Is that your ringtone? I don't know what's going on here. It's girls getting out of showers with boom boxes on their shoulders. We should probably check it out. We'll make sure it's not something weird. That way, if we need to report it, we can report it before the kids find it. All right. Do we need to report this? <laughs> what is this? <laughs> I don't it's like a man. I don't know what the fuck's going on here. Oh, that bitch. I don't know who these people are. So. I don't think. <laughs> okay, so. Oh, M80 Radio. Oh, M80. <laughs> okay. So, M80 Radio was obviously Spanish, and um, if you're on audio. And it was just this. I don't think that was Portuguese. Why does this keep playing? Stop. Uh, well, let's just dive in, man. 
So, uh, what the hell happened? Can't see what you're looking at. Here, I'll just need a beer. One sec. Yeah, because I got rid of it. I was turning the sound off. That's the only segments that we did that are um, available online, I believe. No, I just got the. On my other computer, I got the hot Australian, um, hot token hottie on there. Token Hardy. Terrific. Show up. Harvey Weinstein of the scenario. Uh, I don't have enough power to be Harvey Weinstein. I don't think Adam does either, so. Oh, I meant Clint the other way. No, that was Danny D. Wayne said it. Clint or Adam. I know, one but I answered. Oh. I meant you were the bottom. You were hoping I was Harvey Weinstein, so then you just had to jack me off. <laughs> Disgusting. All right. Who, Let's if you it. had to for a role, if you had to for a role, would you rather jack off me or Adam? What role? <laughs> We'll talk about that later. You're just getting a roll. I'm not just jerking people <laughs> off for fucking nothing. <laughs> uh, that's You're just like, like a supporting. Listen, hand job is just supporting roll. All right, so just. <laughs> oh fuck you! <laughs> uh, this better lead to something. Oh. Do you think Weinstein was giving out leading roles for HJs? I don't think so, bro. No. Gosh, no. But at least he was just trying to get chicks to do stuff with him. Oh, <laughs> I love it how it's like, yeah, he's a piece of shit, but everybody who went in there did that for, for what? A fucking acting gig? They knew what they were doing. Acting like they liked to see his penis. <laughs> He's like, you're doing a great job. You're doing a great you job, it. sweetheart. You got the role. <laughs> you looked convincing. I know you're disgusted. The entire time. <laughs> if they, maybe that was just his criteria. He was like, listen, if they can pretend to like my disgusting dick, then they deserve a role. I need to write yeah. that one down. That one's good. He really just had the highest, like, uh, level for actresses that he held. He held yeah. them to the highest standard. Yeah. He's like, listen, it's disgusting. I'm a pig. You crank me off. You got to be good at what you do. See, nobody gave him any credit on that one. If that's a, just a... To like his horrid penis, they are a great actress. There you go. That's enough for me to remember. His egg-shaped uh, penis. Is that what they said it was? I don't, I don't know. I didn't actually. Was it actually supposed to be deformed? No, I heard that about Epstein. I heard some. Uh, 
now people just start shit, but like that he didn't have anything, Weinstein. But I'm like, why do you got to cheese up that story? It's a pretty good story anyways. You don't got to add something to, yeah, it, to it. That he's a fucking... Uh, even if he's got a huge, disgusting hog. Even if he's got a huge hog. I don't think that's what they were saying. I think they were saying he had nothing. So that's what he had to... Um, he had to try to degrade them so that way he can feel good about his tiny penis. Being rich and powerful wasn't enough. Dude, I have a friend who's... Uh, wife was a dominatrix and um yeah she was she was as far as i know i don't know the deal maybe um but she had dudes write her with tiny dicks and were like basically like show send her the thing and then be like you want to make fun of it don't you like that's what they wanted apparently you know like at some point in their life they'd related uh, being shit talked to like sexual encounters because that's what happened to him, and now like that's become their thing. The fuck is wrong with them? Yeah, a lot of good ones. One time somebody had her make you know quote unquote make them jack off to a picture of their sister. Oh my gosh! That's the that's, that's the, fucked up. That's, maybe it was a maybe it was a stepsister. That dude's got problems. It These a, are people. It might have been stepsister, but still. Did you? No, it don't matter. <laughs> There's plenty of pictures to crank one out to, and then he and then he's begging for it. She should have gone through and picked out the people that need to be put down. I don't know how they like get. if they got a micro penis, that's their problem. But if they're asking to be fucking shamed about it, then they got a problem. That's just what's related to. Uh oh. Trauma. Trauma. Yeah, exactly. Well, what, get over it, dude. What are you fucking? What are you uh oh?ing Bottle that shit up like everybody else and move on. Uh, double D. He said, uh, Dick Brown is actually a color. <laughs> <laughs> well, oh, before Danny. that, he says, if there's hotties in the movie y'all are going to make, the cock blocking is going to be epic. Listen, our cast. Oh, I read that one in my head. I our, didn't read that out our cast is going to be, I'm not going to have any <laughs> shot in hell, so. They're going to have to just like me, which sometimes happens, but, you know. I got rid of the other computer. Maybe it'll speed up things. Oh, you froze up. Nikolai Bonershevsky is frozen up. See, give him a little bit to come back. If he doesn't come back, then... Might be all she wrote for episode Uno Ten. Uno hundred ten. Right? Is that how you say a hundred and ten in um there you go, he's gone. Well, hundred and ten in, I don't think that all of a sudden now we should have it all figured out, right? Have a flawless show. Alright guys. 
Dan, well, just Danny D. Wayne. You're the only one in here. So, thank you, D. Wayne. Or actually, I'll just sign off and we can talk. And if he comes back, he comes back. All right, everybody on audio or whatever, your Vimeo. We're not on Vimeo, so it wouldn't be on there. Facebook, YouTube, post. Thank you. Later.